Hello and welcome to the third episode of Forbes India Cover Story Podcast, a joint effort by Forbes India and Indicast, where we talk with the authors of the cover story of the fortnight. I'm Abhishek and joining me over the phone from Mumbai are Indrajit Gupta, the editor of Forbes India. Hi, Indrajit. Hi, Abhishek. Uh, and we also have the associate editor, T. Surendra, with us. Uh, hi there, Surendra. Hi, Abhishek. And, uh, well, let's get into this issue's cover story, which is kind of a price catch, at least for a reader, let's say like me, where it features the chairman of one of India's biggest, yet arguably the most media evasive companies ever born. Now, this article is not just about the man at the helm and the company, but also about the politics involved. Now, Indrajit, I leave the floor open to you. What, in your view, is the story about? What did you set out to communicate to the readers? Abhishek, I think uh, ITC, by and large, is a, as you rightly mentioned, the story is a, is a company that is very media shy, and I think uh, there's a history to it. In the mid-90s, they went through a pretty gut-wrenching experience where a lot of their directors were put behind bars for very minor, frankly, violations of what was then the prevalent uh, norms and laws of the country. But it kind of changed ITC for forever, uh, those experiences of the mid-90s when the enforcement de- department and the FERA violations really left its mark and scar on the company. So they don't talk very much. And I think the story really that we were exploring is that with Mr. Deveshwar, who took over and in those very tumultuous times, has been one of the longest-serving chairmen of ITC in ITC's history, 100-year history. And his reign is destined to come to a close in 2012, if if matters go to plan. If if they do decide to extend his tenure, it can go longer. But the future of ITC in some ways is at stake, because some of the big bets that Deveshwar took in his era are now, I think, coming to a tipping point. And uh, if they do work out in the way that he had envisaged, it could change the future of ITC in very significant ways. So that was really the story that we were looking at, to examine the Vishwa's legacy in some ways and also understand the future of ITC. Mm -hmm. So in reading about the man, we also got something more about the company itself and the quote-unquote politics that uh, did go around or that you have mentioned in the story. If uh, one of the two of you could help us with the structure of the company itself, uh, with uh, BAT, that is British American Tobacco, and uh, ITC having uh, sometimes a cat-and-mouse game, what is that all? about? This company was initially owned by BAP. That was long back. And then there was these fella rules that said that the foreign, the owner of the promoter should dilute in favor of the Indian owners for some, you know, that was the rule of the land at that time. So BAT diluted its holding and it became one of the shareholders because it did not have the dominant shareholding at that time and it was around 33 odd percent shareholding in the company and the rest was held by the Indian institutions and it was held by the Indian public at large. Mm -hmm. So therefore you had a promoter who was earlier a promoter whose name continued to be as a part promoter in the company. It had its product in the company but it was not the owner of the company. It it just became a shareholder in the company. But it always had the interest in the company and uh, the running of the company and therefore you always felt at one time that they are always interested in owning the company again and therefore the genesis of the problem lies in that in the ownership the way it owned the company and now how it owns and how ITC is run today oh. if I could just add to that I think uh, if, you, if you look at what's really happened India has emerged as one of the most strategically one of the most important markets for BAT 
this is where I think uh, cigarette consumption is still at a low ebb and we've got a huge large population of smokers and which can still grow because nine BDs, for instance, in India are about nine times the market size of cigarettes. So you have enough headroom to grow. Right. And it's in that's interest to in some ways control ITC. It's another matter that ITC won't have it that way. And I think the government of the day has preferred to side with ITC mm-hmm. in much the same way that they've supported LNT as an independent promoter-less organization. There are very few in India like that, right. which are professionally managed, don't have a, a so-called promoter or malik in mm-hmm. some ways. So when the, the first Indian chairman of A.N. Haksar took over ITC as chairman mm-hmm. of ITC in 1969, uh, and that moved out, the point that Suri was trying to explain, that left its, um, its trademarks, that's will, full flake, all of that, and bequeathed it to ITC. But they came to own those brands in India. And the shareholding was then broken up into one-third, one-third, one-third. So that owned one-third. The financial institutions who would in some ways come to control ITC's destiny owned one-third. And the rest of the one-third was owned by the Indian public. Right. It created a structure which was fairly uh, interesting because it kept back out of management of ITC. They would sit on the board. They had two board seats. But beyond that, they could not control ITC's destiny from there on. So they could not dictate that ITC should move from being a diversified conglomerate to becoming a tobacco giant. So they didn't have a say. They didn't uh, take part in day-to-day decision-making, which probably might no. have missed them in some sense. That's right. Well, missed and missed, and they couldn't in some ways consolidate ITC's results in mm-hmm. their own annual results. Uh-huh. Yeah, You can only do that if you own 51%, right? So they would, even today, want to control ITC if they had a chance. But they know that in Mr. Devish you know, they've practically, if you ask me, been to a large extent checkmate. So isn't it kind of ironic that everything is culminating on the centenary year of ITC where they celebrate their 100th anniversary and you have BAT which is not too happy with certain decisions and then you also have Mr. Deveshwar himself who doesn't know what his future is like after April 2012 when he steps down. So too many things happening at the moment at IDC you, you would wonder. Perhaps not the culmination, perhaps a new start because Deveshwar's term will end only in 2012 according to the current plan. Mm-hmm. And then whether the board chooses that he stay to continue whatever he has started will set the trend for ITC in future. Right. As you mentioned, there are certain things that Yogeshwar uh, has started for this company and they've been very aggressive. Now, how different has uh, Deveshwar been as compared to his predecessors? And why is it that he's been making more news in the past few years than ITC has ever had uh, from your experience of covering the story? I think two issues. One is that he, I think has created the whole integrated structure as we know it, ITC as a common entity under which there are different businesses. So it's a portfolio of businesses under the same umbrella, which wasn't the case earlier. The earlier chairman decided to keep hotels and paperboard as separate entities outside ITC. Now, Deveshford's game plan is really to use the tobacco cash flows and their immense cash flows, because it's like a cash machine, to really build new businesses of the future on the assumption that the Indian economy today gives you enough growth opportunities and it is in ITC's long-term strategic interest to diversify beyond tobacco because you never know when the government of the day will pull the plug on tobacco. So advertising and marketing is banned. 
Right. But um, there may come a time when, you know, there could well be a ban on tobacco consumption. You never know. So then what does a company of ITC's scope and scale do? Right. You mentioned that long-term sustainability, but the trade-off there is that at the moment, at least, I quote from your article where you say that in trying to build a 500 crore business, ITC is said to have lost about 250-odd crore this year alone. So is that one reason why some people are very skeptical about his approach and perhaps even want him out uh, after 2012? You know, the numbers seem very stark at this point of time, but what he's setting out is a FMCG business. It's a very tough business to be in. To create an FMCG business, it takes many, many decades to establish a business and to actually make profit in it. And if you look at, you know, what happened to Coca-Cola and Pepsi when they come in and they put sunk in a huge amount of money in the initial years mm-hmm. uh, to grow their brand. So what he's setting out to do will not be evident in a very short time. And therefore, the numbers look very stark. But those numbers for the kind of money he's making in tobacco suddenly appears to be a far, little more than it should be. And therefore, there are issues about how much can he lose and how much he should actually spend on those businesses, right? So I think uh, the, the answer to that, Avishek, uh, also lies in the fact that at this point in time, ITC's overall results aren't really to that extent dented by the losses they're making in FMCG. There may come a time when um, the size of those losses grow to a level which becomes unsustainable for ITC to carry on. And that might jolly well happen, which is why people outside, I think, are a bit skeptical about whether he's really destroying value or really adding value. So I think, so in this point, is I think well made. It takes time. And uh, Devishwar believes that ITC has the cash to really support them. And when you have to infuse life into those businesses, you have to support them. Right. In fact, this uh, reminds me of uh, an example from IBM where Louis Gerstner was credited for turning around IBM, but then he was replaced by Sam Palmisano after the turnaround because they thought that IBM was growing too fast and that he needed a man who was more subtle in his approach. So is, is that a threat that uh, Yogi also faces, that he's, his strength has become a vulnerability where he's, he is the man who has the decision-making for almost all divisions when there are CEOs uh, reporting to him, but sometimes he intrudes a bit too much for their own comfort. Uh, perhaps uh, you could draw uh, some of your experience of interviewing all the top management that you might have spent enough time with them. What was the mood out there generally about the man who was at the helm at the moment? No, I don't think there's uh, officially anyone's going to kind of give us insights on the balancing act that leadership is all about, really. Right. You know, It is one about continuity, it is about change. No, it is about, in some ways, empowerment. It is about controlling. So I don't think uh, it is easy in a formal sense to figure that out from your interactions. And that is true for any corporate story that we've looked at, whether it's on Mr. Nayak at LNT or Mr. Deveshwar at ITC. I think our judgment comes from talking to various people beyond the official set of meetings that we have. That's something that brings balance into the story and understanding. And I think from that, I can tell you that, look, it's a bit of both. There are shades of grey there. I think uh, there's no right or wrong answer. I think different CEOs, depending on the situation they face, and they wish was no exception, mm-hmm. use either an enabling kind of approach and saying that, look, we will back you as the chief executive, go ahead and, you know, kind of build this business. Or she might say that, look, I don't think you're taking the right bets. Let me kind of tell you what to do. I mean, there is a bit of both. I think there is no black and white answer to that question. Right. 
conventionally one would say that ITC is facing a classic succession planning problem, which all companies face. Uh, for instance, Warren Buffet of uh, Berkshire Hathaway, then people are saying, what about uh, Apple after Steve Jobs? So I guess more or less it's a pretty conventional problem that every company faces then in that, if you see that in that perspective. I would agree with you on that because I think uh, succession planning is an agenda that the board of directors have to own. I think if you look at succession planning across Indian, large Indian corporations, I'm not sure whether it's been handled all that well. One exception could be the way ICS has perhaps done it. Mm-hmm. They had various contenders uh, lined up well ahead of Mr. Kamath's uh, exit and the board had a clear visibility of all these potential candidates and they got enough time to really validate their own assumptions and hypotheses. I think it doesn't always happen that way. So you're right. I mean, I think it's more the exception rather than the rule. And also, the first time that I've read about uh, uh, Yogi in your cover story that he draws as much as three times more as his next subordinate, which is in stark contrast with uh, certain CEOs in the West where they draw $1 salaries. Now, sure, they have stock options, but... Is he, in a way, not helping himself by doing certain things that, that he's been doing so far? No, and the way I put it is compensation is an issue which is driven by the board. There is a compensation committee at the board level which sets compensation for the executive directors. So it's not necessarily the chairman's wish. Right. Somehow he's always had his way is, is what I meant. Well, when you've been that long in an organization, you do tend to, I think... Uh, override or overpower certain decisions? Well, there is a distance that grows because you've been around, uh, he joined the board at the age of 37, right? Mm. He's a very tough, powerful leader who's visible in the media. Tell me how many people in ITC are as visible as he is. Do you know of too many others? I'm not sure. Mm. So there is that distance that creeps in. I don't know whether it's deliberate or it happens to, it happens with Mr. Nayak too at LMT or uh, Ratan Tata group. So it's, it's not something that one can kind of uh, pin the blame entirely. There are board responsibilities which the board has to in some ways also mm-hmm. uh, consider. It's an independent board, right? There are non-executive directors on the board in majority. And they're senior people. They're all you know, retired bureaucrats and heads of financial institutions who are on the board of ITC. So to some extent, I think the issue of whether the chairman is all too powerful, I think the question is, has the board really exercised its powers to really ensure that uh, the governance system in ITC is well So I think uh, that's the key question, I think. Right. I would like to get uh, Surinder's word here. What do you think are the, the immediate challenges, considering that he's still around till 2012, and assuming that he, whether or not he does stay beyond 2012, what are the challenges that ITC as a firm will face? The first thing is that there will have to be more and more proof that the SMCG business is going to stand on its own legs. Mm-hmm. In that, I mean that the losses have to be considerably reduced. In some of the product categories they have established, they must get to a market share, uh, which is considered you know, uh, sustainable and therefore be able to grow this business. Because there's no going back. You have set out an agenda which is very large. Your investments have been very large and there's already a lot of accumulated loss about 2,000 crores from these businesses and therefore this, the only way you can go is now forward. So they have to demonstrate in the coming years that in some of the FMCG businesses that they've entered in, mm-hmm. they will start making money or at least be able to show that in the next few years they will establish themselves as profitable players. So that is the most important thing. 
And apart from that, of course, they have inducted a new person, uh, Kurush Grant, on the board, who can become the leader of the company because he has years on his side. So that much has been settled for so long. But board will have to decide before 2012 whether they're going to have Mr. Deveshwar continue or whatever is their decision at right. that time. Uh, what have been the initial reactions to the cover because it has already hit the stands and it has been a couple of days? Uh, have you gotten any feedback? Because as a reader, one would say that this article is not just about a Wikipedia-like piece where it talks about uh, only ITC and the man, but it dwells a little deep and probably takes a few important stands which might not go well with the company itself. How has the reaction been from the readers, if at all you've gotten any? No, I think uh, readers by and large have by now understood the Forbes DNA. So I think the early reactions have been good. Mm -hmm. I think people have come to expect Forbes to do a fair, balanced, and a story which also, like you mentioned, has a point of view. And I think uh, we've kind of raised the bar on corporate stories, and if I may say so, mm -hmm. uh, because I think we've taken you readers inside the boardroom, yeah, which is always the most difficult thing. Okay. The best corporate stories are typically about what goes on in the boardroom, and it's not easy in some ways to understand the interplay of culture, strategy, leadership, which are really boardroom issues and governance as well. Mm -hmm. And I think we typically tell stories to a person, in this case, Mr. Deveshwar's lenses, mm -hmm. and that works because it's a great storytelling technique. So great corporate stories, I think, come through compelling storytelling. Right, and again, going back to the part where you said it has a lot of shades of grey as well, wherein not everything is, you know, very pure or utopic about these companies and people heading them. Yeah, yeah. So I think the big thing there is to really listen to all points of view before we make up our mind and not rush into that process. So several hours have been spent, and both between Surinder and I, we've reached out to all kinds of people who would have a perspective on this company beyond the official engagements that we've had with the company. Mm -hmm. So. We are very much in control of the story. We write for our readers. Mm -hmm. We don't write for the company that we are writing on very clearly. That's one of the reasons why you know, it doesn't read like a brochure. Right. Yeah. And how has the reaction, if I may probe a bit more, uh, been from ITC itself? Because uh, let's say as someone working from the ITC might not be exactly ecstatic because it's not a pain or you know, you've not gone gaga over the man in spite of he being on the cover of it. So how has the reaction been, uh, if you've got any feedback from them, have you? Yeah, we've got early feedback. I think uh, there is a recognition that this story goes well beyond what they've done on the company. And uh, my point to them was that it's a balanced look at, I think, a chairman who's served a very long term with fair amount of distinction. But clearly the company faces a series of challenges now. Yeah, there is uh, some amount of uh, normal discomfort of being put under the microscope in some ways. Mm -hmm. But I think it, it makes uh, the story uh, in the, the company a lot more credible. And is that why you say, and I quote you from your letter from the editor, that irrespective of the final outcome, there is nothing more exciting for a business journalist to witness determined challenger get ready for an audacious assault. Yes, it is. I mean, let's face it. I mean, as journalists and as readers, we all love reading about corporate battles. And uh, Mr. Deveshwar, frankly, is uh, the sort of guy who is a man of conviction in some ways. So he believes that he can beat MNCs at their own game. And I think time will tell whether he can actually pull it off. So there are lots of things riding on this story, if you ask me. Right. And perhaps we'll read more about it in 2012, whether or not he continues or stays and what the future of ITC will be. Uh, read that in Forbes India. Thank you so much, uh, both of you, Surender and Indrajit, for your time. Pleasure. Pleasure. Thank you, Abhishek. And for all you listeners out there, we would love to know 
your views on this cover story podcast which is housed on the Forbes India homepage that is business.in.com as well as theindicast.com that's about it bye bye